Joe. I'm your host. And uh, the Pistons just lost to the Pelicans. It's a, now a three-game losing streak after going on initially a five-game winning streak following the Blake Griffin trade. And um, I know a lot of people are uh, frustrated by it, and with good reason. Um, you know, a big thing is that, just simply put, I mean, they're losing games, and it's always frustrating to lose. And the team looks um, just not particularly good a lot of the time. The offense is disjointed. Uh, they totally lost on defense tonight. Uh, but the thing that I would sort of urge people is that sort of look bigger picture. And we'll talk about that more later on. But um, so that's just something that sort of keep in mind that, you know, they're integrating a new guy. who, And it's not just a new guy. So, like... When they traded away Tobias Harris and Avery Bradley, Tobias Harris is taking, I'm between those two, when you add in their free throws, so for shot equivalents, they traded away about 30 shot attempts per game, right? So once you consider the other times, so like turnovers and, and assists, you've got close to 37, um, really quick math, I probably should have done that math before this, but whatever, you've got close to 37 possessions per game that are gone and you have to replace a lot of those are going to a new guy a guy is totally new and then the rest are going to have to be divided up between people who didn't have that many so the offense was going to be a mess quite frankly for a lot of it um especially since the pistons can't just rely on um you know running pick and roll with reggie jackson and andre drummond so like if reggie jackson was healthy uh then i think that the transition would not be as painful because they would have that you know they'd have the, and for what it's worth this has been this was true earlier in the year too that this is what's really hurt the Pistons about the Reggie Jackson injuries that without um is that normally Reggie Jackson and Andre Jones just running pick and roll that's sort of the safety net for the Pistons that they can do that and they can generate looks like you just it's gonna happen and uh it just, they don't have that. And without that there, it's just like, it's been ugly at times. And it's going to be. Um, the hope is that the All-Star break is something that helps them to uh, get some more things set up. Get a little bit more comfortable with everybody. But we'll have to wait and see if that ends up actually happening or not. Um, so, now, all that said, there's no way around it. You lose 118-103 to to the Pelicans. The defense was just a mess for a lot of the night. Gave up too many open threes. Slacked getting back on defense. Um, didn't track the didn't track shooters when you got back on defense. Just not a good performance, right? I want to make that clear up front, okay? Because I'm gonna say some things that are positive about the way the game went and some things that I liked, but there is no way around it. It was really it was not a good performance, and especially since. You're trying to make the playoffs this year, even you know as much as I could sit here and say you have to think long term, and I do think that's true. You do have to think long term. I'm you still are trying to make the playoffs this year. I mean, you don't trade a second round pick for James Ennis if you're not trying to make the playoffs this year, and losing this game that hurts. So, you know, and there's not enough there's not enough games left at this point that it's like you know it's fine. We'll just make it up later, like. There's still plenty of games left. They're still fine as far as the playoff hunt goes, but every single game counts now, and you can't you can't give away games. That's why really the Hawks game is the one that 
um, is more painful than this one because they should they had no business losing that game. Um, offensive problems and such, you know, everything that is with the Pistons right now, where yeah, you'd expect them to struggle. It's not enough to excuse losing to the Hawks. And that's one that hurts, because if they beat the Hawks last night, then this game honestly doesn't concern me at all. Um, but the problem is that they didn't beat the Hawks. They lost to the Hawks, and so now they've lost two, three in a row, and now that's a problem. And, yeah, I mean, it sucks, but that's just the reality. Um, I think with the reason why, I suppose, I'll, I'll sort of, ex I'll defend this a little bit. Um, the reason why, if the Pistons hadn't lost to the Hawks, this game wouldn't worry me, is that the biggest thing is that the Pistons play bad defense, and they especially struggled in transition, all right? And just, let me just tell you something, all right? So, I'll preface this by saying that um, DeMarcus Cousins has consistently been one of my favorite players in the NBA. So, I, I when he played in Sacramento, I watched more Kings games than they had any right to, even though they were awful. I've watched more Pelicans games than a lot of people who are not Pelicans fans have since he got there. I've watched the Pelicans quite a bit this year. Let me tell you something. <laughs> they run up and down the court every single night. The Pistons are not the first team this year to be on the second night of a back-to-back -back with travel on the back-to-back -back who have been against the Pelicans and have just been trashed by them. Like, that's not the first time it's happened this year, and the Pistons will not be the last. Um, if the, the Pelicans are, I, the, the, mo the worst team you can ever face on a back-to-back -back with travel is going to Denver because Denver plays fast. And then obviously there's the altitude thing, but I, it's just, it's not a good team. It's, they are not a team you want to play on the second night of a back-to-back -back because they're, they play such a style that you have to run up and down the court and be focused. You can't have the things have you can't have the things that happen when you're tired happen. And the Pistons had those things happen a lot. And it was a problem. And, you know, look, that doesn't make it not bad. Because it is bad. It was very bad. But I'm just saying that that's something that does not shock me. And because of that, that's a big reason why I, w I come away from this game in a vacuum. This game didn't bother doesn't bother me that much. Because it's like, I mean, they're on the second night of a back-to-back third and third game in four nights i believe right let me double check that yeah second night of a back-to-back -back, third game in four nights traveling between every single game uh it's just you know against a team that runs up and down the court relentlessly that's a recipe for disaster and so you know even really good defensive teams would struggle with that so that's not something that worries me a ton and then on the other side of the ball even i actually came away um Impressed by the way the Pistons played offense. I liked a lot of the adjustments that they made. Um, the problem is that good shooters missed open three-pointers. That's really it. I mean, Jameer Nelson went one for six. Tolly went two for five, so that was okay. Langston Galloway, one for six. James Ennis missed his only three. Reggie Bullock, one for four. I mean, those guys are good shooters, and they got a lot of really good looks, and they just missed them. And, I mean, you know, tired legs bad luck, whatever it may be, I think that, you know, even with this game, everything else, if they hit a few more of those open shots like they should have, this game probably ends up looking different. And then the other thing, of course, is that Anthony Davis is, like, just comically good. I mean, <laughs> there's, jeez, what can you say about the guy? I mean, the only thing, 
at this point, as far as I'm concerned, the only thing you can really knock him with is that he hasn't always been able to stay healthy. And he's just so incredibly good. I mean, you know that a dude is crazy. Like, I mean, in this game, they did it again. But um, Stan Van Gundy basically put Drummond on him and just said, Andre, you don't have to worry about rebounding. You don't have to worry about protecting the rim. You're just guarding this dude. Like, that's what you've got to do. And <laughs> Andre went out and he did it. And Davis just hits jump shots over him. And it's like, like super contested ones. And it's just... What are you going to do about that? I mean, he ended up scoring 38 points on, let's see, 26 equivalents. That's just, that's tough to overcome. And honestly, a lot of that wasn't really even that the Pistons played him super poorly. It's just that Anthony Davis is stupidly good. And <laughs> that happens. So it sucks, but um, that happens. So... That, combined with the fact that, you know, like I said, team that runs a bunch against the Pistons, third game in four nights, second night of a back-to-back, travel in between each game, it's, that's a recipe to get beat. And that's why, in a vacuum, this game didn't bother me a whole lot. Um, when The problem is that they blew that Hawks game. They, they absolutely blew it. So, like, if they won last night comfortably, well, I guess this podcast will probably be coming out in the morning. So, if they won two nights ago against the Hawks comfortably... Then they come back home, kind of laying eggs. Then I go, you know what? Clippers, pretty good team. And the Clippers were super well-rested, too. They played, um, so since the trade, the Pistons had played six games at that point, and the Clippers had played three. So, you know, Clippers, super well-rested. Um, also, just, they're still a pretty good team. Um, and, you know, so you lose a game like that, you do it. Okay, Blake Griffin really did not play well. Andre Drummond played pretty well. Um no, that was a game Andre Drummond played really poorly. They both played poorly in that game. That's right. Sorry. Um, so, you know, you go, eh, whatever. They're a pretty good team. Pistons didn't play well. Clippers super rested. And then you come out, you beat the Hawks like you should, and then you come back and you lay an egg and you go, well, third night, third game in four nights, team that runs, Anthony Davis is really good. Missed shots you should have hit. You live with it. Um, it would really change the complexion of the overall thing for me. Uh, but... You know, they still, they've got one more game before the All-Star break. They play Atlanta again, so I think that's kind of a game that you really have to win. So then you go into the All-Star break, you're one game under five hundred. Um, obviously, depending on what some other teams do, you're probably two, three, somewhere between two and four games out of the playoffs. And um, then you've got the All-Star break, and with the All-Star break, you've got a chance to, first off, get guys rested. I think in particular, Blake Griffin can really benefit from that. Um get guys rested, and also get some more offensive sets put in, get Blake Griffin more acclimated with some guys and such. Like, I think that that'll do him a lot of good. And then the most important thing at the end of that is that now they haven't set a date, um, and it'll probably be at least a little bit after. But um, they are thinking Reggie Jackson will be coming back not too long after the All-Star break. Um, the more optimistic expectations I've seen is that he could be back for their first game back from the break. Um, and then obviously it, it may well end up being not that game, but he's supposed to be back not too long after that. And he will help a lot. So, and at least as long as he's back healthy, which, you know, we'll see if, (laughs) we'll, we'll see if that ends up being, being true or not. Uh, but regardless, he should be back not too long after that, which will help. 
So um, when the trade happened, I said this, that, you know, my guess is it will be ugly until they get a chance, until at least the All-Star break. And honestly, they probably won't get Blake Griffin all the way integrated until next season. Uh, but for now, it's ugly. It sucks. Um, because I, it does, it sucks because I, as, as much as I can say, I guess what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to say here is that as much as I can sit here and say, you know, it's not a big deal. This is to be expected. There's could be growing pains, yada, 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 yada. It sucks to lose. And it sucks to lose in such frustrating fashion. And it sucks when, particularly when things just look so out of sorts. So I get why people are upset, but this was not going to be an overnight fix. The Pistons are still playing with, um, you know, one of the weaker point guard rotations in the NBA until Reggie Jackson comes back. Reggie Jackson comes back, suddenly they have a really strong point guard rotation because Ish Smith is really good as a backup and really bad as a starter. Um, that'll help a lot. Uh, and they're integrating a new guy. So it's just, this was, it was always going to be a mess. So it sucks that they lost that Hawks game because if they win that Hawks game, then they can come back and win the next Hawks game and end up fi at 500 going into the break, which I would have considered a win overall. Um, now the best they can get is, let's see, they'd be one game under, I believe, because they're two games under now. Yeah. So, yeah. I, that's just sort of bigger picture thing. I didn't even have that in my notes as so something to talk about. Um, so as not specifically the game tonight, some sort of bigger picture things. One thing is, um, Jameer Nelson, uh, cause I've seen a few different people mention stuff about him. Now, hopefully this is not, um, pertinent for very long. Hopefully this is something that we talk about for only, you know, I suppose the most optimistic would be the, we've only got one more game where this is even an issue and Reggie Jackson comes back, but in reality, it'll probably be at least a few more games. Um, he's, uh, one thing that I would say is that, I guess, because I've, I've, heard, I've seen a few people suggest, you know, oh, he's just, he's game playing time because he played with Stan Van Gundy and such, yada, 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 yada. Um, that's not really, I don't think that's really the case. There is good reason to give Jameer Nelson some minutes right now. Um, and basically it's that offensively he's the most complete offensive point guard the Pistons have to throw out there. And it just makes the offense run so much better. So, like, Ishmith is a capable ball handler and passer, but no one respects his scoring. Obviously, no one respects his jump shot. And it, it just it neuters a whole lot of the offensive sets they run because no one guards Ishmith. People guard Langston Galloway, but he's not a good enough ball handler and passer to really get penetration to really bend defenses in the way that he need to take advantage of the fact that people actually guard him out beyond the three-point line. Dwight Bikes can score a bit, but he's not a good enough passer to take advantage of it. Jameer Nelson has the right combination. He can shoot, he can score a little bit, and he can handle the ball and pass the ball. That, you know, it's sort of like at a certain level of competence that they can that you can run a functioning offense with him out there. And so on one hand, I think that I think offensively the Pistons will be a lot better off if they just played Jameer Nelson as like the starter. But the problem is Jameer Nelson is 36. He can't really defend anybody at this point. And I don't know exactly <laughs> I mean he's struggled to defend backups so far. I'm not sure what I I even want to think about what he'd do against starters. And 
it's just it's a it's a losing proposition at point guard right now because Ishmith's inability to shoot and score just absolutely torpedoes your half court offense against starters. It just does. His game does not work against starting lineups. I mean, that's just that's just the reality. It does not work. And but the problem is guys who shoot in, you know, Galloway shoots enough that it causes some problems so as you can make it work. But he can't really penetrate or do other things that you need point guards to do. Dwight Bikes can't really pass, and we're not sure if he's actually, you know, over a larger sample size, if he'd be able to score enough to make himself worthwhile. And Jameer Nelson can't play defense. So it's a losing proposition no matter what. And, you know, it's one of those things that people don't like to hear this, and it sucks because it's like, you know, we always want to think that there is an answer. And the reality is that the answer is probably actually just that this is going to be a problem and the Pistons have to just hope that they can conti- that they can grind it out until Jackson comes back. So that's that thing. Um, so yeah, Nelson, he deserves a look for sure because if the Pistons, whether it's by him playing better or by other guys just covering well enough, if the Pistons can manage to play defense at an even passable level with him on the floor, it will definitely be worth it to have him out there quite a bit because he makes the offense run so much better than Ish Smith or Langston Galloway or Dwight Bikes would. Um, but the problem is we don't know if he will or not, but it's definitely worth taking a look at. So, yeah. Um, with Blake Griffin, uh, the one thing that I'd really like to mention is his defense has been, I'm overall mostly impressed with his defensive play. He communicates really, really, really well, which I like a lot. Um, but there's been, particularly the last three games, it's really stood out. He has not closed out well on guys who can shoot. He's either a step slow or he doesn't close out all the way and gives guys an, a little bit too much space, and it has killed the Pistons the last several games. Ersan Silva gave the Pistons problems a couple nights ago. Um, obviously, Nikola Miritich gave them problems tonight, and uh, Tobias Harris gave them problems, from Ang- and Danilo Gallinari gave them problems. Um, against the Clippers. So it's just a combination of things. That's just that's something that really he needs to improve on. Um, my guess is that it will not take the Pistons long to really harp on that with him, to get him to do a little bit better at that. But we'll see if that improves significantly or not. I think that it probably will because it's a small thing. It's just a small thing, and it's kind of an effort and focus thing. And a lot of the times, it's that he's just a half-step slow on reading and reacting. And um, I'm not an expert on the way the Clippers were playing defense, schematically at least. But I think that it was not quite the same thing. They certainly did not have um, DeAndre Jordan play as aggressively uh, in attacking ball handlers as Andre Drummond does. So they're having him do a little bit... They're having Blake Griffin do a little bit different stuff defensively. I think he's quick enough and fast enough and athletic enough to make it work. It's just, you know, he's having to make reads quickly, and that's something that it demands. And he struggled a bit with that right now. So that's something to monitor. I think it'll probably get better, but something to monitor. Um, and, yeah, another sort of sort of um, bigger picture thing is the fit of Stanley Johnson long-term. Uh, because on one hand... <laughs> He can't shoot threes, at least not very effectively. No, he did go two of four tonight, I believe. Yeah, two of four tonight, which is, you know, <laughs> once again, I'm talking about 
things that it's like it's frustrating why this game doesn't bother me a whole lot. That's like all of these really good shooters are pissing me off. Like Langston Galloway is a really good shooter. Anthony Tolliver is a really good shooter. Jameer Nelson, really good shooter. Reggie Bullock, really good shooter. They had all of these open looks and missed them. And Stanley Johnson hit a three. I remember I, I was just like, what the heck? Because that the first three he hit, he was like, it was contested. The second one he hit was wide open. But he can't really shoot. But he sort of found a comfort level in just cannonballing his way to the hoop at every opportunity. And obviously he plays defense like crazy. And, um, you know, I just, I'm not sure if once Reggie Jackson comes back in particular, will there be enough chances for him to handle the ball to be worth it? And, you know, one thing that's interesting that I've noticed in um, film study, well, film, that sounds so pretentious. I need a different thing for that. Just whatever. Just re-watching games, sort of re a second watch, um, is that it seems to me that a lot of the p- times the Pistons' offense has looked um, at its best recently has been with Stanley Johnson having the ball in his hands. Because just those sort of maniacal drives to the hoop and into the paint, they just break down the defense at the right amount, and he's a good enough passer to hit guys coming out of it that then the Pistons can get something moving. And I just, I don't know for sure if there's really, I, it's tough to say because that's an intangible that you can't really measure effectively with any stats, right? Is that it's like, you know, the offense just flows better with him on the floor. And things just go better when he does things with the ball. Like, it just, that's not really something you can measure. So it's hard to say. But it'll be really interesting to monitor with him. Because there's certain ways that I think he's absolutely worth keeping as a starter. There's some ways which it's like you can't. Because on one hand, people don't guard him away from the hoop. On the other hand, though, he makes a lot of things better. So I don't know for sure. Um, The other thing that I've seen people sort of, be confused about is the way this has been true all season is the way Langston Galloway does or doesn't get minutes. I think there's a few things. First off, I don't think he's a point guard. I don't think the Pistons really think he's a point guard. I don't think he was ever really intended to be a point guard with the Pistons. Um, I've, I, they mentioned, they said when they signed him, you know, he's a guy, he can take some backup point guard duties if he has to. And he has occasionally. But I think they view him viewed him as a breaking case of emergency point guard. Not when they want to play in there. Now, the question that will be, well, then why did they sign him? The thing that changed is that, first off, I don't think they thought they were going to be getting Avery Bradley when any of that happened. Like, I thought they probably were... I think they knew Contavious Caldwell-Pope was leaving. They were... Because they said... And I've, I've, I've given this story out before, but whatever. We're going to say it again just to make sure you remember. Um, They gave KCP an offer and didn't hear back from him again. I think they knew KCP is not going to come back. I think they knew that. And so they gave that offer. He didn't return their calls. They're like, we think KCP's leaving. So they signed Langston Galloway. And then they assume they're going into this season with a shooting guard rotation of Langston Galloway and Luke Kennard and maybe Reggie Bullock if they are able to bring him back, which obviously they did. And then the Avery Bradley trade falls in their laps, and they're like, we'll take Avery Bradley. So they did trade for Avery Bradley. Now you've got an odd man out. Then obviously you trade Avery Bradley away, but the thing that's changed is that Reggie Bullock has suddenly become Ray Allen. And so 
I remember when they signed him, re-signed him this year, and at the start of the season, no one thought Reggie Bullock was even going to be playing shooting guard. They saw him as he was the backup small forward when they needed it. And then he also got pushed out of the rotation earlier in the year, too, because they wanted to play Galloway. Um, so, in the end, the reason why the Galloway thing has not worked out is that I don't think they ever saw him as a point guard. I think they saw him as a shooting guard. And then the thing that messed it up, I quote-unquote messed it up, is that Reggie Bullock became awesome. And, like, he has not just been good. He's been incredible recently. Like, there's no way around it. He's literally the best three-point shooter in the NBA right now. Um, He's shooting incredibly well. He's defending at a decent level. He hasn't been as good the last few games, which has been a little disappointing. But he's defended pretty well. He's really shooting the ball well. He's doing a lot of great things for your offense. Reggie Bullock should be playing over at Langston Galloway. Then also, Luke Kennard has been more ready from the start than I think most people figured he would be. Certainly more so than I thought he would be. And, you know, the reality is only two of those guys are going to be playing on any, any given night. And right now, Galloway's the odd man out with that. And, I mean, perhaps you could argue, and not just perhaps, you could argue, and it's a decent argument that, you know, the Pistons had... Reggie Bullock on the roster for the last two years. I mean, I'm sure no one expected him to be this good. I am as big a Reggie Bullock fan as they come. I did not think he would be this good. But they've had him on the roster the last two years. You'd think they would have been able to see something like this coming. And then they drafted Luke Kennard, so why would you not think he'd be... I and mean, if you think, even if you think Luke Kennard isn't going to be ready for heavy minutes right away, why sign Galloway to a three-year contract then? So it's just, it's not something that makes a huge amount of sense there. So you can argue whether or not it was the most force, whether they had good foresight in signing Galloway. Because even initially, once they signed him, um, I said, I, I literally said in my um, meet Langston Galloway post, I was like, one thing I'm not so sure about is that this means someone's maybe going to be the odd man out in the shooting guard rotation. And I'm not sure how I feel about that. Um, so it's something that maybe they should have seen, but now that it's happened already, I would say the fact that he, now he did play a little bit tonight. He played, um, he ended up playing 13 minutes tonight. Um, but it's just, that's something that it's not a huge bother to me. And I think that's the reason why he's, why they do it. They don't think he's a point guard. They never thought he was a point guard. He was a break in case of emergency point guard. That's all they ever viewed him as. He is a shooting guard as far as they are concerned. The problem is the other two guys who were cheaper, younger, whatever, on the roster ended up both winning minutes over him. And so it's like Reggie Bullock is absolutely better than Langston Galloway, which is no knock on him. Um, you could make an argument that Galloway is better than Kennard right now at least, but would would you rather be giving Kennard DNPs right now? Like, I certainly wouldn't. So it's a tough situation. Um, in a situation that maybe they shouldn't have put themselves in in the first place. But uh, I, I I just I don't understand why so many people just cannot comprehend why it is that Galloway doesn't play more, I guess. Because it seems pretty clear to me, at least. Um, and, you know, oh, I've, <laughs> I went out of order here. I meant to do this earlier. Um, as far as adjustments for the game tonight, and one of the reasons why I came away actually feeling pretty good about the game, or... Pretty good as an overstatement. Why I came away not feeling as despair, as, you know, just in the pits of despair as a lot of people seem to have, is that I liked some of the adjustments they made. Um, and they've put their money where their mouth is a little bit. So once again, you have to sort of 
consider the mindset. This is this was going to be a process to get Griffin integrated in the offense. Once again, you gave up close to 40 possessions per game of offense and replace it with a guy who is your number one option. That is <laughs> that's a big tall order and you're doing it with a backup point guard running the show. That is a tall order to do. It was going to be a problem. So after last game, there were two things that Stan Van Gundy and the players said. Now Stan Van Gundy the thing Stan Van Gundy said that no the players said I guess is that Reggie Bullock hasn't been getting shots in the second halves of games. He said, you know, and he was frustrated by it. He was like, you know, Bullock, I think he scored 18 points in the first half against the Hawks, and then only like two or four, I don't know what he finished with, 20 or 22. But he didn't do much in the second half, and that's been a bit of a trend with him. And Stan Van Gunn was like, I don't know why the heck we can't, I think he literally said, I don't know why the heck we can't find him in the second halves, but we need to do that. Um, And then one of the reasons for that is that Bullock is not a guy they really ever run plays for. They pretty much treated him as an off-ball guy only, and not without good reason. He's a spot-up shooter mostly. They, you know, there's, it's not like he's some super great ball handler or anything. But they came out tonight and they put their money where their mouth is. They gave him a bunch of dribble handoffs. He took 13 shots on the night. He also shot five free throws. So all in all, he got 15 shot equivalents. They basically gave him the offensive load that they've been giving um, Avery Bradley earlier this year. A lot of dribble handoffs, putting, making a lot of plays that set him up for cuts, um, letting him handle the ball more. He even ran a couple of pick and rolls. They used him as an on-ball player more. I don't know how well that will work long term. Will that make his efficiency drop to a point where it's not as useful to have to use him that way? I don't know for sure. It's a question. But I like that they're giving it a try because he, he was absolutely excelling in the role he was in, and it was ma- – he was excelling to the point that you definitely had to think, I think this dude may be able to do more. And they gave him that chance tonight. I hope that's something that keeps up. I'll be totally fine with letting him take more or less the offensive load that they had um, Avery Bradley taking before. I'm totally fine with that. Um, so that's one adjustment. The other one that him and Blake Griffin talked about was after the Hawks game, and then this also is the Clippers game too because it was true in that one. Um, is that they needed to get Blake going to the hoop more. And, you know, Stan Van Gundy said it in that he wants to run plays to try and get Blake going towards the hoop and to, um, you know, have him get the ball closer to the hoop. And then Blake said he needed to do a better job of rolling to the hoop and not settling for jumpers, okay? Those things came true in this game. He still took six three-pointers. There were a couple of them that were a little iffy. Um, but... He got the ball closer to the hoop when they ran plays for him. He When they didn't run plays to get him the ball at the hoop, so when the ball just sort of found him out on the perimeter, he didn't settle for jumpers. He went to the hoop. He was aggressive. I really liked that. And in the end, it was a positive um, impact on his game. Um, one thing that I'd like to mention with that is that Blake Griffin is a better shooter than he's showed so far with the Pistons. He's really not shot the ball well with his jump shots. He's more capable of hitting jumpers than he has been with the Pistons so far. I don't know where his three-point percentage will end up, but he definitely is better like in the mid-range and such than he's shown with the Pistons so far. But be more aggressive, get to the hoop. I like that. They did it. So those are the two big things that they changed that I liked. Um, another thing that I liked is that they really made an effort to have 
um, a ball handler on the floor with Andre Drummond, and they're more willing to sacrifice ball handling for shooting when with Blake Griffin, with the Blake Griffin at center lineups, because Blake Griffin can then handle the ball more. So I like that that change as well. Um, and I also, you know, a lot of people really hate Eric Moreland. I don't hate him as much. I kind of like that they're letting him play for a few minutes in the first half. Um, it makes it so as Blake Griffin doesn't play quite so many minutes. Um, so I'm actually okay with that. That's something that I've kind of suggested they should maybe do. If you play him for just four minutes for a stint in the first half, he can go out, play balls to the wall for four minutes. Then Blake Griffin is playing 32 minutes at the end of the night instead of 36 or 38. I'm fine with that at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, the trick is going to be somehow figuring out a way to have competent point guard play, which I don't know if they can do. Um, the main rotation question I have from tonight would be that James Ennis didn't play in the second half before garbage time. Um, I think he should be playing most definitely. Uh, other than that though, I think that it came away. I liked the adjustments that they made. So I think long-term that's good. And I think that that's sort of the way that you have to be thinking right now. They made that trade for the long-term. They didn't do it to make the playoffs this year. They did it because they're trying to, that's the next building block. They now have two really awesome players to try and build a real team around. And um, so that's what they made that trade for. It wasn't to try and fix the team right now. It's not shocking that they've, you know, by some views gone backwards almost, which they haven't actually from where they were, for what it's worth. But, you know, it's it was going to be a struggle. It's going to be a process. And they're doing it with a backup point guard starting. So... I just, you have to think long-term, and you have to sort of look at the little victories. It sucks that they lost the game. They need to win games, right? They cannot continue to implode. But you have to look at the bigger picture. You have to think about the little things in games, like are they making the right adjustments? Are they moving in the right direction? That's the way that I think you kind of have to look at it. And, um, you know, you can criticize a lot of things. You can criticize the way the Pistons played tonight. You can criticize Stan Van Gundy for not having his team ready to go because they did not play defense tonight and such. There are things you can criticize. I'm not saying that Stan Van Gundy and the coaching staff are above criticism or anything like that. There are plenty of good criticisms. I just I would I would urge people to not put too much pressure on the Pistons to win right now because it was going to be a problem. I mean, like and the example I've been using is that think about with the Spurs and Lamarcus Aldridge. It literally took them more than an entire season to figure out how to use him correctly. And they have Greg freaking Popovich as their coach. Like, I mean, Greg Popovich is the probably the best coach to ever do it. And he, for over a year, because they had him for like the full training camp and such, they had an entire season. And at the end of it, LaMarcus Aldridge was so frustrated by it that he was like, I, I think you guys should trade me. And it's like, so, you know, when you have a guy who's that heavy a usage... It's just, it's hard to integrate them. And you can go on and on of examples. Like, I mean, remember with the Heatles, when LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh played together, it took them more than an entire season to really figure out how to play effectively together on offense. And those guys were a ton more talented than this Pistons team is. It's probably going to be kind of ugly the rest of this season. Hopefully once Reggie Jackson comes back, they just have enough talent and basketball ability on the floor consistently that they can overcome that, make the playoffs, and maybe even make some noise in the playoffs this year. But the fact that it looks ugly at times right now is not something that you should be, like, totally up in arms about. 
or be totally frustrated about because that's what was going to happen. It's going to be a process. The defensive performance tonight is harder to defend. Um, also, the defensive performance against the Hawks. It's, that's harder for me to defend because there's not a good defense. The defense for this game was that, you know, third game in four nights, team that runs a lot back-to-back. The one against the Hawks, really no defense for that. So they just they have to play better. But I think if you turn around, beat the Hawks, hit the All-Star break, it's not all lost. It's not a disaster. I think. So, you have to look longer term. Um, the Pistons may well end up even missing the playoffs this year. That'll be disappointing. I think they'll still make it myself. But, you have to look bigger picture. This, tr- this, The trade, everything else was not about winning the championship this year. They've got Blake Griffin for like, what, four more years? Andre Drummond for four more years? They are going to have to go long term and figure some stuff out. So, that's that. Um, I think that's all for today. Um, hopefully this gets up tomorrow on time, but fortunately the Pistons will play tomorrow, so even if it does get delayed a little bit further, it will be, um, uh, it will not be all messed up so much. Um, just me saying last night and such won't make as much sense. Um, I guess I'm going to do a plug, I suppose, here at the end. Um, I, so I started writing for, um, Piston Powered, and, uh, so I'm still writing for Hashtag Basketball, that's where this podcast is, of course. Um, but with Piston Power Boy, the main things I'm doing is more of the video review type of stuff there. And I'm planning on doing sort of video review of pretty much every single game where I find some clips of some stuff I saw and going through it. So, um, if you have any interest in that, I'd definitely go check it out. Um, I'm putting a lot of effort into it, so I hope that some people check it out. And then also beyond that, really the reason I'm actually plugging it is if you are watching the game and you see anything that you think, oh, that's interesting to me, like, you know, what are they doing here? You want to see it clipped and sort of analyzed in some way? Let me know. Let me know on Twitter. Let me know on Reddit. Let me know wherever. And um, I will look for it when I do my review. So and that's honestly, that's actually what I'm about to go start once I finish up this podcast. So, um, you know, it sucks to lose, but you can't panic yet. All right. No, you, you just you can't panic yet. It is not yet time. Need to give it a little bit more patience. Patience. <laughs> so, yep, that's it for tonight. Um, You guys all stay beautiful. Go Pistons.